Don't you notice how I get quiet when there's no one else around? Me and you and awkward silence. Hello, everybody. Welcome to I Don't Get It, the pop culture cut of my lawn cast. All right. Can we do that again? People are going to turn it off of me. No, they're not. They don't, they're not going to turn it off. We have 170 listeners. We're fine here. This show features the open-minded musings of two late 40s curmudgeons, each staring at the prospect of entertainment irrelevance. I am your co-host, Bill Scurry. Bill Scurry. America Caesar Enterprises, which, as everybody knows, is a crazy bunch of bastards armed to the teeth who are just desperate enough to go to the fictional South American country of Val Verde to get that merciless dictator Juan Mendoza and bring him to justice the hard way. What? What? Is that Die Hard 2? Oh, I, it's it's actually, no. it's, it's syncretic of a lot of different movies, if you want to believe it. But no, Val Verde was the specific island oh, nation. In Val Verde movie. was actually in two movies. Val Verde was in Commando. Um, it might have also been Commando. in Predator, too. It's sort of like a, a bleed over prop property. Yeah. Uh, welcome to our show, folks. Uh, I'm your co-host. My name is Noah Tarno. I'm the founder and the senior quiz master of the Big Quiz Thing, the Trivia Game Show Spectacular. Welcome uh, great to be with you again. We are getting to be old men and we look at things that are hot, that are new, that are happening, and we try to pick them apart. And this week, uh, man, it's sad, Bill. We walk through this world as but ghosts because this is one of the hottest <laughs> pop stars, yes. or maybe not pop stars, that's part of the debate. Hottest musical stars of the moment released her debut, her debut was it her, de- her debut mainstream or debut major label? Yeah. A big album last summer called Bewitched. Oddly, as I was listening to this music last night, uh, uh, I read a reference to the TV show Bewitched. Total coincidence. Um, and uh, she's a big star right now. We had, had you heard of her until last week? No, not until, uh, again, noted non-listener Steve Flack and noted listener Nick Nadell right. pointed don't, this out. Don't as give that guy credit. We're not going to mention his name anymore um, until he listens. Big, big star, did not know this, but we examined it. Her name, you might think it's pronounced Laufey or Laufey. You might think it's pronounced Laffy Taffy, but no, it's pronounced Loive. Let's talk about Loive, Bill. Let's what talk do you about know Loive. now about Loive? That I did not know before is, yeah, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell- that uh, she exists. Yeah, that she, that's the first thing I learned is that she's actually walking around the earth, so- as my notes uh, that I put together here say Loiva, uh, which as I said to Noah before the microphones went on, I said it sounds a little too close to Oive, uh, which if you're Giddish accented, you might know that expression from the East Coast, everybody. But uh, yes, Loiva Lin Bing Jansdatir, uh, born April of 1999, is a singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist from Iceland. I believe she's Reykjavik. I mean, there's not too many population centers. Reykjavik, three or yes. Four of them. Born, yeah, Reykjavik. born in Reykjavik. My God, did I like Iceland when I visited. Great That's country. a nice place. Yeah, and you, I went in the summertime. You went in the winter, I believe. No, I went in the summer. I went in August. Oh, you did? Okay. There was no snow yeah. on the ground when we went there. Uh, I saw some fucking snow. I mean, yeah, it wasn't covered in pictures. snow, but I, I, did, I did see snow. I don't think Reykjavik had snow, but, no, you know. No, no. They, so, they, it's uh, a well-run country. They clean the streets really fast. So They fast. clean the mountains up or, you know, whatever, the fjords. They clean them out. They clean it all up. They clean it all up. Yeah, so uh, Loiva achieved prominence in the early 2020s for her success as a jazz artist, with critics noting that her 
Jazz and flecked songs have received considerable success for the genre that has been largely more abundant in the greater pop consciousness. That's that's my editorializing on this. We'll get into that. Um, having performed as a cello soloist with the Iceland Symphony Orchestra at the age of 15, Loiva was then a finalist on Iceland's Got Talent in 2014. I, what is that even? It's got to be really easy to get on that show. I mean, How many people are auditioning for? I mean, America's Got Talent. Versus Iceland's got talent. I, I don't want to take away from the talent of some Icelandic people, but like there's not a million people. Like, there's like not a million people third, in Iceland. Yes, right. And and I gotta feel like how many fa- how many famous people from history can I name from Iceland? Loiva is like number three. And there's Thor Bjork, is number. Is the guy is from number Sig- four. Ross, Thor was yeah. not from Iceland. Um, I mean, seriously, who else is from Iceland? Uh, the protagonist know, of the immigrant song by Led Zeppelin. Uh, I know. I know of a. Uh, there's another uh, another Icelandic songstress named Emiliana Turiani who was on the Lord of the Rings soundtrack. Okay. Yeah. Oh, all right. So Loiva is like number five in history at this point. Yeah. I, I'm yeah. sure if some Icelandic person's listening, they're getting pissed at me. They're they're listening to like 500 authors. I really saying. don't don't worry about anybody getting angry. Really, it's okay. I'm just I'm, st- I'm still gonna stand by my opinion that it's got to be easier to get on and win Iceland's Got Talent than to get on and win America's Got Talent or Britain's yeah, I, Got Talent. You know. No, that's so. true. Oh, and, and to, to one-up that claim, by the way, uh, she was also a semifinalist on The Voice Iceland that year. So there's a there's a burgeoning reality show uh, culture in Reykjavik, I'm telling you. You, you want to watch your fingers because you're going to lose one. It moves so quickly out there, man. Be careful. Fastballs. So she released her so debut me. EP, uh, Typical of Me, in 2021, and graduated from the Berkeley, B-E-R-K-L-E-E, the one in Boston, Berkeley College of Music, not to be confused with Berkeley, uh, you know, whatever, the other one in California. In California. Yeah, yes. I didn't know I didn't know the difference. I, I think I was in my early 20s where it became, I was like, yeah, Berkeley, I think I know what you mean. It's like, no, the one in Boston. Anyway, I, I wasn't, I was ignorant of that for spell, a long time. Spell different. Yeah. She, she also spent, apparently, much of her child, so her father is Icelandic. Her mother is Chinese, and her parents, I believe, are both professional musicians. She spent much of her childhood in Washington, D.C. I'm impressed. She speaks English with a completely American accent. She sounds like a California kid. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Well, yeah. She really, I hear no, again, I compare her to Bjork, which is ridiculous. Bjork has a heavy accent. Yeah. Uh, She didn't grow up in fucking D.C., you know? That's what I'm saying. That's right. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, yeah, I graduated from Berkeley. Her debut album, uh, not an EP, but her debut album is called Everything I Know About Love, charted in Iceland and the U.S. in 2022. She followed it up with Bewitched, as Noah uh, alluded to before, in 2023. It broke the all-time record as the biggest debut for a jazz album on Spotify. Never heard of it. In, in the platform's history, which also spawned a best traditional pop album nom at the 2024 Grammys. So Loiva has cited Ella, Billy, Chet Baker, Nora Jones, Taylor Swift, uh, Liston Chopin, which I guess not surprising as her influences. Uh, I guess uh, she, the only thing she left out now was Rick Wakeman, a name I like to bring up all the time. Uh, anyway, so her pandemic. Rick Wakeman era- and Gigi Allen. She, she's, <laughs> she doesn't draw too much from either of them. Uh, Captain B. Gigi Allen yeah. is one of Gigi Allen's one of our patron saints. Isn't it, it is. Yeah, he's literally. We have a uh, yeah statues of him dressed up in like a like a, a Greek philosopher around uh, our building. Uh, here. I would argue that we bring up Gigi Allen on our podcast more often than probably ninety nine percent of all podcasts that exist. Yeah, um, that's fair. That's a, that's a, a that's a fair assessment, right? Yeah. Is there a Gigi Allen podcast? There really should be. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I'm if sure you don't know who Gigi, Gigi Allen is, folks, 
Just read the Wikipedia page on Gigi Allen. Trust me, it's worth it. It's, if we it's do we do it. better we do better numbers than the Gigi Allen cast, whatever it is. The, the, uh, the Gigi cast. Yeah. My my last note here is that her her pandemic era success, which is born of quarantine releases of standards and new comps via uh, social media, has ignited something of a minor firestorm among real jazz bows. I just like writing the term jazz bow. Uh, about what constitutes real jazz as opposed to this thing that I only heard this week for the first time. Apparently it's this large music rubric, a redefinition, something called mid-century pop, which I guess is kind of like this like push-pull among uh, gatekeepers and, and, and the learned in terms of classifying music. Um, I, I mean, I, we'll, we'll brush on this, but Noah, tell me what your experience with Loiva was when you started listening to her. Yeah, so I, I had not heard of her before, uh, so I started listening. And... Um, you know, when I watched, there's a great video. His name is, I'm going to try to remember here, Adam Neely. Thank you. Yes. Like He's Cam from the Boston Bruins, I, as I say. Yeah. my as, as when I kept forgetting his name, Bill said, like, Cam from your beloved Boston Bruins. And like, in what universe am I a fan of the Boston Bruins? Actually, ironically, one of the few sports teams I've ever considered myself a fan of was in high school. I was a fan of the Montreal Canadiens, who have a long-running rivalry, or at least did at the time with the Boston Bruins. Although I, I do love Boston. So Adam Neely, a musician and a commentator, has a great video that um, it was linked from that. We also read that Ann Powers NPR piece. Uh, and um, he goes into a whole thing about Loiva and is Loiva jazz? Is Loiva not jazz? Is jazz alive? Is jazz dead? And um, yeah, he brought up the mid-century pop thing. I, I don't know what my point was going to be in that moment. Uh, I think this music is lovely. I think Loiva has a beautiful voice. I think these songs are very well played, well arranged, well produced. She has star power, passion. The video, I, I guess her big hit is um, from Bewitched is called, um, what's the big song? Second Best? Is that Second Best I'm thinking Something of? Like what's that, the one, yeah. the video with the bossa nova type? Oh, From the Start. Uh, from the Start is sort of the hit and it's got a bossa nova rhythm. Um, Neely points that out. And the video, she's very charming. She's, she's a very beautiful woman. She sings and, in the same register as Astrid Gilberto, speaking of which, you know. All right. Well, then she, you know, she knows from whence her art comes. Um, she's got some nice passion. There's a song, Promise, that I find genuinely sad. Uh, and I'm really glad she's attracting a young audience. Uh, Neely points out these videos of like, you know, everyone saying, oh, Gen Z, she's introducing the jazz. And he, he plays a a brief clip that is kind of mind-blowing. She's on stage. She says, I'm about to play Misty, you know, the, the standard Misty. I mean, mostly she writes her own music, but she does do some standards. And these girls shriek, and like they're shrieking for this song that, you know, that we all heard on our parents' scratchy old records in, in the late 70s. Uh, so I'm glad that she's attracting a young audience since she is talented, she is historically aware, and this is high-quality music. Um... You know, we're, we're going to dance around and talk about, is this jazz? Is this not jazz? I think one thing that I strongly believe is, and I think Neely backs this up, she is American pop music. And by pop music, I don't mean, you know, stuff on the charts, Taylor Swift, what have you. I mean, popular music, you know, the long tradition, and, you know, mid-century music, mid-century pop music, or talks about her links to, um, you know, musical theater. All these things are American popular music. And there's a strong tradition of that. And I think people tend to think of that as a past thing or as an adult, adult meaning old people thing and kids aren't into it. 
But I think there's um, a strong tradition of that. And I'd be very sad if that died. And she's certainly carrying the torch for that. Uh, side note, a musician I know you have some interest in. Uh, growing up, I, I really loved Billy Joel. And I still like Billy Joel. I get why people piss on him and hate him. Partly he's a jackass. But I've always said one of the things that helps to think about Billy Joel, not hate him so much, is don't really think of him as a rock star. Think of him as an American popular musician. He draws from all the popular idioms of his lifetime, which include rock and roll, because the dude was born in the 1940s. Um, I think that's a strong tradition. And if there is a new young woman who is carrying that on and being creative with it and pushing it into new territories, and by the way, she has a, a very keen social media game. She understands the, the grammar and the language of modern you know, young communication, Gen Z, what have you. Um, I think this is great. I'd be very sad if that died. But ultimately, this music leaves me cold. I've never liked jazz very much. You know, I've given jazz many chances. It's beautiful, lovely music, but it doesn't draw me in. I love hearing it. It's like classical. Like hearing it in the background, great, lovely. Makes life wonderful. But I'm never going to like go out and seek it out and be a fan of someone who is strictly jazz or even someone like this who is on the border of jazz. And also, I got to say... Her voice is lovely, but God, I used to think I was going to be a music writer. And these are the times I realized, thank God I'm not, because I don't know how to express this. There's a flat affect to her voice. It sounds the same all the time. There is no edge. You know, I'm a rock guy. I like a little more overstated passion. And it's just, it feels very bottled up. I had this weird thought listening to her, like, this could be like an AI rendering of a, a female, young American, jazz-informed singer. It's so much on the leash that it just feels. I'm waiting for this woman to break out. Uh, I'm, I compare her somewhat to a, um, uh, a multiracial uh, female singer we looked at on the show not too long ago, Mitski. And no one called Mitski jazz, but I think Mitski was drawing from old traditions. And I really like Mitski. Of all the musicians we talked about on the show, she's probably my favorite. She's probably the one I've Not Greta Van Fleet, you're saying? No, not Greta Van Fleet. And, but Mitski has an edge. And there's no edge to this. Um, you know, and if we're going with the jazz debate, the things of jazz I do like are kind of the raucous, wild nature of it. Uh, Neely talks about this. I had never heard of this, this video series of a guy playing in his apartment in New York, young people and people watching online. And it's these wild parties of people going nuts and playing the piano and yelling and screaming. And like, that's the element of jazz that turns me on. That's why a lot of jazz turn. I've been to the Village Vanguard in New York and I was bored out of my fucking mind because it's background music. <laughs> well, I, just, I mean, it's great, but like, I want to hear this music while I'm working or while I'm talking to people. And we're all sitting staring at guys doing nothing. And I get it. Like, fine. If you love that, I respect that because I'm not going to say these guys aren't talented, but like something's got to fucking happen. And I feel like not much happens in her music. So, you know, she's talented. I'm glad she's popular, but you know, she, she's no Mitski, my friend. She is so talented. I think we can, we can just keep on hammering that point over and over again. It's that she occurs to me. All right, to but lots of people are talented, you know? Well, I mean, but, you know, they, 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 they exhibit it differently. And, you know, I have an awe of people who could do something like this. You know, music, which is just so totally out of my wheelhouse. It looks akin to sorcery or magic, you know? 
Um, she, she's one of those polymaths, apparently. You must, like, see Matrix-type code at cascading down the screen before her eyes. I have to assume she's, she's... And she's so syncretic of a vast number of inspiration. You know, not limited to jazz, but, yeah, like you said, musical theater's in there. Obviously, modern Gen Z pop, because she speaks the language. And yet the Bossa Nova thing you just talked about in that song before, she really is hammering an Astrid Gilberto vibe or, or Joao Gilberto, you're, you're hearing. I mean, it's intentional. It's definitely referencing that stuff in such a respectful, reverent, reverential way. You know, and she smooths over the rough edges of anything with this sort of professionalism and canniness. Um, and yes, the, the characteristic of her voice is so precise. It is like within an angstrom of precision in that, in that like middle band of exactly like you say. She's able to you know, sell notes that are just like the, the merest change between notes has an absolute precision. She's like an expert singer. And the guy was pointing that out. Adam Neely made a big deal of like putting tablatures. I, I mean, fine. There are, there are nuances that I'm not picking up because yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. not. No, that, and, yeah. and I'm, I'm giving I, I don't know music theory. Yeah. I, I'm not doubting that, but I'm just telling you my litmus test, like this, this chick's got to break out. Yeah. And it's like, and, and having said all that, no, I fucking hate this. I can't stand listening to this music. This, <laughs> And here's, here's the problem is that I'm the issue is with me. I'm the problem here. It's not her, but this You're not the problem. No, it's no, not no. a problem. You don't like her. I'm just saying it's like this strikes me as every single corny thing I've ever heard in my life. It's it's you know, it, like you said, locked in the sort of staid mid-century amber of the 1940s. The idea that like you said, you know, what I'm praising her for being an absolute technician of, of navigating that middle band of expression as an artist is also this like manacled stricture of staying inside the lines and not having any kind of raucous energy. There's nothing about this that feels spontaneous, you know? Um, I mean, investigating this, this, this phenomenon, you know, reveals again, that we, the old, uh, you know, the, the, the power of digital natives using TikTok and YouTube to get their art and personality um, out to the public relatively free of adulteration from handlers is a big deal. Um, you know, that to me is like, how, how did we not hear about this? How is this such a secret? How could someone who is using social media? So, and we are on social media, probably me more than you, but, um, and we are trying to pay attention to music that's outside of our, you know, our little footprint. And yet somehow this was, um, I give her credit for that again, but it's like, Jesus, man, I just want to like bash the speakers in because I can't tell you why in particular <laughs> this stuff. It's just, again, not that it's so bad, but it just drives me nuts listening to it. It's so fucking obedient. I've rejected affection for years and years. Now I have it and damn it, it's kind of weird. Why has this broken out? Why is an artist who's even, you know, half seriously referred to as jazz, a huge star right now, Grammy nominated in some not jazz categories? Uh, why are kids into this? You know, what accounts, my cat is pulling up my iPhone. Nope. What accounts for the success of Lloyd? Tell your cat to go get her own phone. I mean, they're easy enough. She's got to get her own friends and family plan. Here's why I think my cat might be a genius. She figures shit out. She's figured out where the treats are. Yes. And she tries to get at them. I mean, I know that's not that genius, but she like when if I'm doing something, like I think she can tell what I'm engaged with, and she wants my attention. She doesn't go for me; she goes for the thing. And I think she knows like how attached I am to my phone. Oh, so even yeah. right now, when it's just sitting next to me and I'm not touching it, I think she looks at it as like, hmm, if I figure this thing out, I'll be closer to him, or maybe no, I'll have you, some of the when power. You, when you he need has. quiet, when you need quiet, that's when the activity starts up of the meowing and, and the walking on the right. keyboard and all that but shit. But she's not yeah. making noise. She's she's not a, she's she's not a noise kidding. maker. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, she's but no, well, sometimes she is, but not right now. Anyway, answer, go ahead. Enough, enough talk about Susie as, as the Susie okay, kiss. Uh, well, I, I think yeah. she performs music which sounds largely aberrant today. Uh, she, Loivin, not Susie, my cat. Yes, yeah. Susie the cat does not pronounce. She does not make noise. Although I'm watching her on the screen, I'll just fill it in for the she's, audience. She's now engaging with the microphone. Somehow she heard and she decided to make an appearance. Um, yeah, okay. the sound. Enough, the sound enough about you, Susie. This podcast isn't about you. It's about Loiva's sound is, is is largely aberrant, and so it's easy to separate her from other twenty. Most other, I should say, 24-year-old artists in the pop sphere. Um, although, uh, you know, one of the things we would never talk about before this is that, like, periodically, almost semi-annually, there is a, a jazz artist who gets feted by Grammy. I, I can't remember the woman yep. who, who, like, won last year. No, ne- Neely pointed this out. Best new artist last year was Samara Joy. Yes, exactly. You know, why isn't Samara Joy talked about the savior of jazz? Yes, you that's, know, he, I, he asked that question, right? Right, exactly. I would not have known that noise otherwise. Um, and so, if you mix the fact that her sound is unique, it's a distinct sound. She, also, her work then comes from that Ernest Pop diary uh, aspect, which again is gigantically popular with her audience. I mean, it slots right in next to the Boy Geniuses, and we didn't talk about Boy Genius, but we did talk about. Um, What's her name? Lucy Dacus, one third of Boy Genius. And, Lucy you know, Dacus. We talked about Olivia Rodrigo, who is one of those, you know, patron saints of diary pop. Taylor Swift is a fucking, you know, like that's her whole thing is diary oh, pop. Oh, she's that's a total cool. diary pop. Yeah. Exactly. I even, mean, Loiva started, did you even mention this? A lot of Loiva's success was that when she was at Berkeley, the pandemic hit, she was stuck in her dorm or yeah. she went home and she just started playing music in her bedroom and yeah. it went viral. It's a great way to go. Yeah, it's a great way to save, you know, save the wind. It happened to, uh, oh no, Bo Burnham wasn't pandemic, but it was shit he made in his bedroom. Uh, So, you know what, like for me, what the the diary aspect is one thing, but then there's the idea that when you listen to her songs, it has the much more, you know, that mid-century songbook idea of it's more romantic where it it feels less specific and you're not going to get any song about, I left my, was it, you left your scarf at, 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 um, you know, that this person's house, like Taylor, like read Taylor's version or something like that. That's something that's right. so specific. It has that tattoo of Taylor Swift on every single one of the songs. Uh, Loyva's songs sound a lot more um, non-specific. There's something more general, which I guess allows people to plug into them more because they, they have that idea. But you're just talking about the concepts of love and, you know, oh, I, I missed you and you missed me. And, you know, maybe we'll get back together. So it's, it's so non-specific but if that's if she's bathing in all these classic references of Ella Fitzgerald and Billie Holiday you know they also weren't writing you know uh, hey I, I'm 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 sick of being on heroin all day I wish I could kick it you know you're gonna get you're not gonna get that from the old days nor will I think you get that here um so yeah you know but like uh Artie Bucco instead of a Martina this goes down real easy you know what I mean by the way you mentioned Taylor Swift I forgot to tell you this I literally had a dream last night that we started recording today about Loiva and we got sidetracked and started talking about People saying that the Taylor Swift Travis Kelsey relationship is a CIA psyop. I mean, just this is the stupidest. Look thing at the I've ever heard. just look so at social my, media. You'll see it. Right in my dream, we were recording. We got sidetracked, and like basically, we decided on the fly to make that our topic, <laughs> um, which is not that crazy. No, it's oh not. my god, the fucking people are so. Anyway, back back at why is she so, why is she popular? Here? Yeah, uh, you know she's a unique character. I mean, how many Icelandic artists are there out there? She's you might tiny. say she's very unique. <laughs> she's extremely unique. She's, she's extremely more unique, unique than other people. You know, actually, that joke. You joke, but there's some relevance here. The idea of what's jazz, what's not jazz. It's like, well, you're using unique wrong. That's not what it means. Well, who decides what something means? Exactly. Right? I mean, unique has been used consistently 
in that wrong way for so long. I mean, it is in the dictionary under that meaning. It's like irregardless. Irregardless isn't a word. Absolutely irregardless is a word. Who decides what a word is? It's been used consistently to mean something for hundreds of years. It's a word. It might make you sound stupid, but it's still a word, right? Um, is she jazz? Well, you know, who decides what jazz is? Uh, Neely has a good debate about that. Anyway, I, I got sidetracked there, but it's still relevant to the Loive topic. She's a unique character with star power. She's pretty. Uh, this goes down easy. It's good music. The bedroom recordings and the grammar of how she expresses herself, you know, apart from the musical tradition or the sound itself is very modern. Uh, I think, you know, the influences she draws in, I think she is a fairly astute reading of modern pop music. The topics, the heartbreak, I mean, one thing I saw brought up many times, which is a bit facile, but I think relevant is like, oh, how many jazz artists mention Instagram in their lyrics? I mean, if... Jazz can't change and modernize and incorporate new influences and new sounds and new subject matter in its lyrics, then jazz is dead. You know, especially a popular form. Popular forms need to be defined by how they are used. So, yeah, this jazz, is she jazz, is she not jazz? I mean, you know, Neely's best argument is she's not jazz because she's not written about by jazz critics and she's not performing in jazz clubs, although she has apparently. You know, maybe that's the best argument for why she's not jazz. Or maybe the best argument for why she is jazz is that thousands and thousands of people are calling her jazz. Maybe that's all that matters. Popular things change over time. Jazz changed from the 20s to the 50s to the 80s, you know, what have you. I mean, the word jazz originally meant jism. That's what it referred to. So does all jazz need to be about ejaculating? Of course not. Um, I'm not really saying why she's popular. She's popular because her music is appealing and it understands modern sensibilities pretty well. I think, and you know, she's popular because it's popular. She won the viral lottery. Feeling kind of sick tonight. All I've had is coffee and leftover pie. No, oh, would you have liked this dross as a kid? So I'm listening to a podcast now. It's a series about um, the, I don't know if you've heard of this. In the late 70s, an area in Britain, people watching TV, the sound was suddenly interrupted by a spooky voice saying it was an alien and that we needed to give up our nuclear weapons, right? Pretty freaky, right? You can listen to the audio online. And this guy does a podcast where he's investigating. He's trying to, no one can figure out who did it. And he's trying to figure out who did it. And it's a great podcast. And he actually figures it out. It, it wasn't really an alien, by the way. And, but one point he brings up as a point of evidence and not proof was that the alien voice uses the word dross, which this guy who's young, he had never heard the word dross before. And his number one suspect, the guy he concludes was the guy, he hears a recording of this guy as himself using the word dross around the same there you time. Go, man. The killer so dross. Like, hmm. Yeah, the, the telltale dross. Yeah, what, yeah, what, what, you know, that's a, that's a, it's one point uh, of evidence. Anyway, you brought it up. That's why I said that irrelevant thing. Um, the podcast is called The Interruption. I recommend it. Would I have liked this when I was a kid, you ask? Uh, more than I do now, but not much. Does that help? I don't know what to say more than that. You know, I've said many times as a kid, I didn't like quote unquote girl music for the most part. I've never liked this jazz is, this or is mid-century that. pop yep. or whatever. I mean, not like, I like mid-century pop. I've engaged with it more than jazz. I like musical theater. But I don't know. I think... Elements of it would have drawn me in more as a kid, but there's still many barriers to a me at any age being a sincere fan. 
Yeah, this is the Disney songbook characteristic uh, of her voice, you know, uh, in everything. I think it's ironic. Of, I think there's a lot of Disney here, and you're a Disney guy, so there's some irony in you hating. I don't like. I don't right. like the songbook of them. I like the storytelling of it. But it, it, this, this. So package, you oh. Interesting. So you, the Disney nut, you have no use for the songs. None, none whatsoever. No, I don't like them. That is bizarre, it. dude. Hey, man, that I live a bizarre really life. What do you want from me? So, you're, but a, the, you're an odd dude. The yeah. point is, is that this package is Bill's bane. You know, this is the thing designed in the land to turn me off. <laughs> but by, it's by from use, Santa Prissa for you. Yeah, yeah, by the use of her her dull and saccharine sound of romance is you know exactly the thing that was never going to get me on the hook. So no, I was out of this as a kid, and I'm out of it now. Trouble. Ooh, um, I knew you were trouble when you walked in, so shame on me now. I knew you were trouble by Taylor Swift. Is uh, there any element of, as much as you hate it, is there any element of Loiva's semi-non-Bill and Noah knowledge, but still ubiquity, any of that, a sign of the apocalypse? Well, I, I think her music is actually a great tonic for pop, for pop music. Um, if if mm. you can, if you know, if you want to call it that. But I think, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think we can call it pop music. We can call it jazz. We, sh we should call it both things. Try not to be so orthodox about this. And neither of us are like hooked to this idea of orthodoxy, so it's fine. But I mean, she has proof that expertise, training, you know, countless hours of study, you know, inborn skill, the sort of um, genetic lottery of both of her parents being musicians and she grew up in a musical household. It kind of primed her to be this good at what she does. It's enabled Loiva to achieve something as close to mastery as you can imagine at a ridiculous age. I mean, maybe not for someone who's a true genius. I guess you're supposed to be a chess grandmaster at this age. You're supposed to be a, a virtuoso guitarist. This is right. the age if where you, you exhibit yeah. those things. If yeah. you haven't mastered it by the age of three, you failed. Yeah. Yeah. Figure uh, skating, chess. But, yeah. You know, I'd say going back those six seconds after you start looking at Loiva, you know, you do get these videos like Adam Neely's and Adam Neely's, you know, you don't need to go back and watch this if anybody's listening at home. But Adam Neely was in response to another video where this other person who we don't know who he was or his, what his qualifications were. He's got a, like a million viewed video about how she saved jazz. Like that was his contention. And this guy yes. Neely was this guy Neely was doing a response video sort of to define jazz and to define her to refute the idea that she was saving jazz, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, like the, the first two things we see about this in terms of looking at this, you know, this beautiful woman and, and her, her achievement and her art and her sophistication and her delectation is then sort of followed by a little bit of gatekeeping of these d dudes that are running around behind her, like trying to define stuff. Which is, I mean, everybody gets the chance to define things, have have a robust, you know, sector of discussion. And, and this isn't as bad as like comic, what is it, uh, Gamergate and Comicgate and all this stuff where you're trying to like keep the idea yeah. that, uh, oh, you know, that this orthodoxy means that there can't be girls in this shit. This isn't at all what's going on. Yeah. But th there is something. Yeah, it's just jealousy and it is. insecurity. I mean, but it's like what, how would you explain the kind of like... Uh, you know, the catty corner discussion that you're instantly getting into, does she deserve to be admitted to the hall of jazz? It, it almost as soon as she gets admitted to you know to the pop sphere, people are like ready to exclude her. Like that that automatically comes as a part and parcel of having her as something to talk about. That's maybe apocalyptic is just because it, it kicks in this idea that there is a you know there's a gate somewhere. There's a fucking ivory turret that people are trying to protect from interlopers. But I don't know. I mean what do you think about it? It's not a sign of the apocalypse. She's, you know, people like good stuff. I'm always happy about that. Um, whether she's keeping jazz alive, I think she's helping keep, I said this, keep American popular music alive. And I think there's a lot of value to that on many, many levels. I mean, I 
I do like musical theater. I'm not a Disney nut like you, but I find many of the songs to be wonderful and at worst pleasant. Oh, the, a lot of the stuff since the 90s is a little grating, but I don't hate it. Um, you know, I think most mainstream pop right now is at best anodyne, at worst terrible. I mean, I don't remember what I said a couple of years ago when we did our episode about WAP, W-A-P, but so much of my problem with modern mainstream music is I think it's really trashy. And if not trashy, just like, you know, cheap plastic product you buy at the dollar store kind of level of art. And, you know, I mean, even Taylor Swift, who dominates the world, like she's talented, but I find her music to be a little like... Will it endure? Will Loiva endure or will Taylor Swift endure? What do you no, ask? I th- yeah, that's what I'm saying in terms of pop music. Will, will Taylor Swift endure? Yeah. I mean, probably, but, you know, I just don't, I think comparing her to the Beatles, or at least artistically, I have no problem with her personally, but, I mean, she gets people to vote the right way. I'm very happy. But, um, yeah, I think it's just, I don't like a lot of modern pop music. So if she is finding a way to add what I consider some knowledge, some history, as much as I think this music needs to be let out of the gate, it's just, you know, there's more, there's a little more craft to it. It's a little less saccharine, a little less dollar store in my life. But Bill, maybe this is the wrong place, but I want to, I want to bring up a point. I want to rant a little as if I haven't before. There was a point that was brought up a few times in Neely's, in Neely's video, which is a half hour long. He actually has a video clip of Ken Burns, you know, the, the documentarian who did the jazz documentary, where he says this. The worst it haircut of all the, filmmakers, by the way. Yeah, pretty pretty bad. Uh, him or, uh, or um, uh, Jim Jarmusch, he had a pretty bad haircut. Um, that drives me up the fucking wall, and it has to do with gatekeeping. A lot of jazz people are very defensive of jazz. You know, they're, they're not as nasty as the Gamergate people, but it's the gatekeeping thing. And one of the lines I often hear is, jazz needs to be protected. It is the only truly American art form. And that drives me up the fucking wall. Because most of the things I love, I consider American art forms. First of all, rock and roll is mostly an American art form. Someone once told me it's a British art form. I believe they're wrong. I believe rock and roll mainly draws from blues, another American art form. And, you know, the intersection of American folk music and country western, American. Yes, it was, it drawn some British stuff like the music hall tradition and skiffle. But come on, look at guys like the Beatles. They were fetishizing American music. So to say rock and roll is American is ridiculous. I think, you know, when I first heard this debate in the 90s, this was invalid. I think meme culture is mostly American. So we got that. Oh, the, the skibbity toilet guy. Where is he from? Georgia, the country of Georgia. Yeah, yeah. The country so maybe I'm wrong. This is going to sound crazy, but I think professional wrestling is an American art form. And you and me, buddy, what do we love? What are we passionate about? Comic What's the books. art form that, that comic books, sequential arts? And when I first heard some obnoxious like lecturer in the 90s, like a supposed intellectual, tell say how jazz is the only American art form. I brought up rock and roll. He said it's British. I brought up comic books. He said, yeah, I don't think people really consider that an art form. So... This touches a nerve with me. And I guess it's relevant in the gatekeeping of jazz. And I said this before. If it's if a popular style is not changing and the definition of it isn't mutating over time, then it is dead. So to say Loive isn't jazz and all the technical elements of jazz that Neely points out that she doesn't adhere to, fine. But maybe those technical elements 
don't apply anymore or don't apply as strictly as they used to. You know, things have to change. And this gatekeeping that we need to protect jazz as this fascinating thing in amber is, you know, I know nothing about jazz when you boil it down, but that kills it. Not a fucking Icelandic woman like, you know, playing it for 17-year-olds and not having swing or the proper syncopation. What kills it is saying you need to play the way fucking Miles Davis played in 1962 for it to qualify as jazz. Leve's music is not a parody, is very much honestly connected to mid-century pop music as well as 21st century pop music. But because the discussion around her music is so removed from the culture, there will be an imagined version of jazz culture that's created that I fear will push away the culture that's already there. Now, uh, finally, let's discuss the issue of envy and jealousy and yes. how does yeah. how does Loiva, uh, yeah. in fact, uh, yeah. develop that fire inside of you? Uh, I, look, I'm jealous because she's a young, pretty girl and she's talented and people, she's getting attention. But uh, one thing that brought up is, is something people said a lot about, oh, she rose up during the pandemic, 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 pandemic. And... You know, it's amazing that it's really been three, I mean, I had COVID two weeks ago, so is it over? I don't know. But uh, that the whole lockdown thing was, my God, four years ago now. And that people who first, I mean, yeah, she had some attention before that, but people who first got their real attention during the pandemic are now into their careers. That makes me feel how time is going too fast and everything's, you know, my life is slipping away. So I guess I'm jealous of that. I'm jealous of people who have time on their side. Yes, it is. Um, and that, you know, I was doing a lot of art from home and actually had a successful year business-wise on Zoom in 2020, but it didn't rocket me into, you know, fame and Grammys and half-hour debate discussions on YouTube. So well, yeah, you don't look, you don't look cute running around your apartment in an A-line skirt, you know, just sort of like- No, uh, I really don't. I really don't. I'm not half, half Icelandic, half Chinese. Your legs are too I probably, thin. That's the problem. I probably have 0% descent from either of those ethnicities. So there you go. Yeah, maybe you should go on 23andMe and see if that's true. I, you uh, know, have you done 23andMe? I don't, I don't know. No, no, that's, I'm going to draw the line of privacy at that whole thing. I don't need to, really? keep, put my, I don't need to put my DNA out there so that farm, big pharma yeah, companies probably, can buy my probably DNA smart. I just think it's going to be a waste of money. Just go, yep, you're Jewish. End of story. Yeah, you know, right. The, oh, the yeah, shettles. You, 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 for, right. for a thousand years, what more the fuck do you want before that? It was <laughs> Egypt. You know the Passover story. Done. Yeah. You know. All right. So I. I Congratulations, I, Jew boy. In fact, I am totally uh, jealous of her. And I mean, I think that's a very logical way to think of this I person. Bet you are. Unless she has like Ehlers Danlos or multiple sclerosis and she's not disclosing that. I mean, everything about. <laughs> Here's the thing. Let me tell you specifically. When she dies in a fiery in a fiery car wreck next year, I will cease to be. Here's here's. Let me tell you exactly what I want to do. You can you can you know use this against me if you want. So I want to distract her delicious bone marrow, okay? And I want to take out her gray matter. And I want to (laughs) on camera. I want to consume it to become more powerful and smarter. I want to absorb her genius into my system, thus granting me popularity, beauty, and eternal youth by consuming my enemy and becoming stronger thereof. All right, uh, uh, let's let's pivot. Let's get this thing done, Noah. What about the fallopian yeah. scale? Uh, the thing about Jimmy Fallop. Uh, how does this rank on the X Y Z axis of topics? Yeah, yeah, okay. So actually, I'm going to draw on a topic that I'm surprised we didn't get to that I, we talked about in the past. It's relevant. So I did mention Mitski. I like Mitski a lot, uh, and you know I see some elements here. Maybe it's just that they're both Mitski half Japanese. So yeah, something like that. Right, what draws me in. So 
It's my racist moment of the day. You, you got me. So Mitski plus, here's the topic that I'm surprised we haven't brought up. Old Town Road. Remember that yeah. discussion? Yeah, man. Old Town Road by Lil Nas X. It doesn't really count as country. And people are like, well, why doesn't it count as country? Oh, the tradition of country doesn't apply to. And that felt very gatekeepery and a little racist, right? Because Lil Nas X is a, a little, black man. A little, a little phobic too. A little homophobic, yeah, because Lil Nas X is a gay man. Um, you know, that if he had been a white guy, it probably wouldn't even been a debate. So some of the gatekeeping thing there. And, and maybe, you know, we didn't bring it in. Maybe it's the fact that she's a young, pretty, multiracial girl is why some of the jazz, I, I think some of these overly protective jazz people, the Ken Burnses of the world, you know, really have an issue with jazz being played by anyone. But, you know, if if not a black guy, someone who hangs out with black guys, right? You know, people are protective of that. That makes sense to me, but it's still wrong in my opinion. So anyway, Mitski plus Old Town Road divided by Lucy Dacus. You brought up Lucy Dacus. Minus 42.71E. And on the XYZ multifaceted, multidimensional axis that is all the topics we talked about in Jesus, Lord in heaven above, six plus years of I don't get it, the pop culture get off my long cast. That's where you would find Loewe. 287 episodes to be precise if you're keeping score. 200, are you serious? 287? 287, yeah. We're closing in on 300. Yeah, man. That's that's when the balloons fall from the ceiling and everything like that, you know. Ed McMahon shows up with a giant check at three hundred. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Here's the thing: I was actually hoping that you would have continued with the metaphor of of cooking. You you had a sort of recipe uh, a slant last week. I really like that metaphor. You were oh, I I forgot about that. Yeah. Well, have at it. That could be your thing, right? I I don't know. I you know you got your thing. I got my thing. All right. So uh, other than uh, uh, me absolutely hating the sound of uh, you know and grinding my teeth into to to dust uh, listening to what she does. That's no gauge of quality. That's just me because I think only a, a subterranean mole person. Could not see the merit. No one, no one who does. listens to this, if, if they're listening, that you don't need to defend your opinion. All right. Anyway, they, they I talk. would equate this, of all things, Noah, to RuPaul's Drag Race. Speaking of something from the archives, <laughs> here's the thing: it's okay. it's culturally worthy, it's significant to the art, and it's something I can't bear to watch even one more moment of. Is that true? Because your wife like mainlines it. Oh yeah, she's downstairs. You can't bear one second. She's watching of it. it at the at, right now at the, this exact moment she's downstairs watching it. Is this so you can't handle it because you're sick of it or you have you never been able to handle it? I ne- never. I don't remember what you talked about when we recorded. It's shrill it. and it's sort of like it's just like a, a psychedelic almost like a tie-dye shirt. It just it represents non-orthogonal shapes and sounds that that scramble my brain <laughs> as if I was on the spectrum or something like that. Like a fire engine passing a kid who's right. jumpy. I just can't take it, you know what I mean? <laughs> Jesus. All right. Anyway, that gets us to the end of another show. We're going to be at 288. We're, again, closing in like Noah says. We're getting ready for the big 300. Yeah. The, the balloon drops. Wow. It's crazy, right? People don't know this, but we're going to What's going to happen when we get to 1,000? That's going to be crazy. Well, 300, we're going to do We're going to do from the Rose Bowl. Uh, we've already got it booked. It's going to be a big deal. And our, our two, what is it? Our 200 listeners are going to be seated at random intervals through the Rose Bowl. So, you know. Through the Rose Bowl, yeah. and they'll have to communicate with each other via <laughs> semaphore signals. Anyway, if you want to find past episodes, look on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play. Tweet to us at Noah and Bill Show. Write to us at Noah and Bill Don't Get It at gmail.com. Give us a review on the aggregate words. I'm on uh, Twitter at William Scurry. Uh, similarly, on uh, YouTube, uh, no, Facebook and um, Insta and all those things. My video content is on YouTube at youtube.com slash amcaesar. And uh, to plug two things I did last week, I was a guest of the Film 89 podcast, our friends in Wales, Cardiff, Wales. 
talked about the Warriors on the occasion of its 45th anniversary for about 90 minutes I, or so. I know. I got I to gotta listen to that episode, dude. That's no, on my had, list of things to listen to. You talking about the Warriors. Had a lot of fun. Well, you know, because the thing is, it's like Sky is from very far. Look, we both vibe on the movie, but we have two different, no, I mean, two similar points of view, but Sky's like, you know, he's, has, he's been to New York as a tourist, so I got to put some, you know, sociological right. knowledge down. Not that I had much to do. Because that's that. exactly what New York literally was like in 1979. It was, yeah, it was I, doc, I, I, that movie was basically I still have the vest. Once I got indoctrinated, the vest still from the Warriors, and I was you, also you still have the empty empty bottles to put yeah, on your fingers. And I was together. also on our friend James Hancock, a friend of the show, his podcast uh, Wrong Real, which is now a YouTube only product, so you can listen to that and watch a live stream. We did two hours on uh, our series called Naughty Nineties. It was part five. We talked about three films that are from the heyday of sort of prurient, uh, lascivious, smutty movies when movies used to be good uh, because they had sexual content and nudity to them. Anyway, that's on uh, YouTube at the Geekin' Out channel, uh, which is where Wrong Real lives at the moment. And here, Noah will tell you where you can find him. Uh, big Quiz Thing, BigQuizThing.com, America's premier source of corporate and private trivia events in person, virtually, a thing I learned during the pandemic. Um, yeah, we're... We're, we're doing all right, man. January, February, busy, busy months. We have a big event we're prepping for right now uh, tied with the, the Super Bowl in Vegas. First time I've done an all-NFL quiz. You believe that, man? Sorry to hear it. Yeah, it's too uh, bad. That was a challenge, but it's going to be it's gonna be really fun. Uh, yeah, a lot of fun stuff coming up. Um, hire us for your corporate private event. And uh, as a completely different thing, I am very much involved. Those of you who know me know I work with a political group called Sister District Project, specifically the San Francisco chapter, and we are currently uh, working on, um, obviously it's 2024, big year politically, and um, we are going to be supporting state level, we always support state level candidates, and we're going to be supporting candidates in Arizona and or Nevada, but until we have those candidates, we're working on other projects supporting uh, voting rights in Arizona, uh, boosting up uh, Democratic candidates. So um, I recommend you look at look up sisterdistrict.com. Jeez, I should really know that. And get involved where you're located. But if you know me and you want to contact me directly, I can hook you up with some postcarding projects no matter where you are. Uh, especially if you're in the Bay Area. I'm running like postcarding social parties where we sit around, write cards, eat food, you know, have a good time, laugh. So I encourage everyone to get involved however they want to get involved. Big year for America. Uh, so yeah, you can learn about that at sisterdistrict.com or hey, if you know me, Reach out to me and uh, let's chat. So until next episode where we talk about the latest viral success, a 23-year-old Tuvan throat singer who's taken the world by storm. We, we don't, don't get it. it. An American Caesar Enterprises production 2024.